Welcome to the True North Podcast. This podcast is about navigating through today's culture in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Let's go. Let's pray one more time, Lord. Thank you so much for today. Oh, Jesus, Lord, we don't move away from this, Lord. We move with it. Lord, I thank you for speaking through me, Lord. I thank you for uh, raising our expectations, Lord, to the to the very place where it meets it meets who you truly are, Lord. Lord, I thank you for a spiritual collision in our hearts today, Lord. So we collide with your grace, we collide with your mercy. Lord, not in frustration, not in, in spite, Lord, but we have that spiritual collision to where, Lord, we are transformed and changed in the power of your presence, Lord. Not so people can look at us and, and put us on a pedestal, Lord, but so people can look at us and see you and be changed and transformed as well. Thank you, Lord. Lord, take us from glory to glory. Let us never be the same, Lord. Yes. Let us never be the same, Lord. I thank you for taking us from glory to glory. Glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. Jesus, we worship you, Lord. Lord, I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. I glorify you, Jesus. I glorify you, Jesus. Lord, thank you for your presence, strong and mighty in this room. Strong and mighty in this room, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yeah, reminding us that we really are surrounded by you. Reminding us that we really are surrounded by you. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Everybody said. Amen. Amen. You feel that? That's proof. That's, that's, that's just, as I was praying, I just felt that. Let me remind you that you're surrounded by me. And it was almost that. We talked about it last week. When you're going from one end of the pool to the other, just how the water begins to rise. We are surrounded by God. Amen. <clears throat> last week, if you were here, we, uh, we talked about how it's going to look different. And I want to continue on that because that's what the Lord has just kept, uh, has just been reiterating. He's been reiterating it to me all week. But, you know, my, my flesh is like, oh, we need to, we want to, I want to move on. There's got to be deeper topics because I, I love to, you know, you can ask Kelsey, it's, it may be a, it may be a good trait, but sometimes it could be a bad trait of mine. I love to deep think. I love to get lost in, in things. I love to wonder, like, I wonder how, you know, uh, there's got to be, it's like an onion. It's like Donkey said to Shrek. It's like an onion. I think topics are like onions. There's got to be different levels to all these different things you know so I love to deep think and throughout the week I was like oh we need to move on deeper and da, da, da. and uh, but I could just feel him in the back of my mind uh, with this continuation of it's going to look different somebody say it's going to look different it's going to look different hallelujah while you're uh, getting your papers and, and Bible together I will tell you we'll be in Judges chapter 7 we'll wait a minute before we read that but we will be in Judges chapter 7 <clears throat> Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. Amen. But if you wasn't here last week, I'm just going to paraphrase and recap. But we talked about how it's going to look different, how following Jesus 
following God, the way we do ministry, it will look different. You know, last week we, we came from Judges chapter 6. And I'm going to just give you a few points that we came from or that we said last week. We were talking about the story of Gideon, and today we'll continue with that. But last week we had said, God is not repeating the same miracle twice in order for you to not become dependent on his methods nor a formula. Remember, we said this last week. God is not he's he's not performing the same miracle twice in order for you not to become dependent on his methods and in order for you not to create a formula. You know, if something works, you know, you know, the old saying, if it's if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, you know, if it's working, leave it alone. You know, how's it work? Don't worry about how it's working. You know, I remember uh, I remember when me and uh, me and Nick lived together. Uh, listen, listen, God, God always has a plan. And then there's us. All right. If you, uh, you know, amen. Everybody. Agree. God always has a plan. And then there's us. You know, God had a plan. We was we were, looking back on it. I wish we never moved out of the, the first place. But I remember we moved out of the first place because we call ourselves we're going to save some money. You know, da, 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 we're going to save some money. We're going we're going to have more room. Da, da, da. So we moved from a, from a, a one bedroom apartment, which the bedroom. And when you say one bedroom apartment it sounds super small, but the bedroom was it was huge. It was a big bedroom, big living room. And a good kitchen, and uh, and it was secure. It was safe. It was secure, right down the road from the school, right down the road from both of our jobs. But no, we decided. You know what, God, here's your plan. But we we found. You know, we uh, we found through uh, through the grapevine this one apartment that's going to be a lot cheaper. It's going to be like a hundred dollars cheaper a month, and da da da. Uh, yeah, it was on the other side of town. Uh, it was on the opposite side of the tracks, you know, I mean the opposite side of the tracks. It's the Riverside town. In fact, we were surrounded by nobody that spoke English. So therefore, if we needed help, uh, we had to drive a few miles because um, nobody spoke English. And there's nothing wrong with that. But guess what? We only spoke English. So therefore, we was lost in translation most of the time. Uh, a lot of things were broke. A lot of things were duct taped together. And uh, there were times, man, how's that work? I don't know. The, don't touch it. Don't, that duct tape's holding it. We're just going to keep it just like that. You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But we have this tendency as human beings that if it's, you know, whatever's working, we need to, you know, we need to, rep, uh, we need to, what is it, uh, duplicate that. So we, t- we tend to come up with a formula in order to duplicate the same results. And a lot of times, the problem with that is we apply that to God. Well, God, you've did it like this before. So, okay, how did I, how did you do that? How did I, how did I muster up the the type of prayer? Was it, was, oh, I, you know what? I fasted social media, and then this uh, God did this in my life. So I got to fast social media again, or I fasted bacon, or I did all these different things. Whatever God has done in the past, we tend to try to make a formula of that. And God is saying, we talked about it last week, and we're going to talk about it again. But God is saying, no, 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 no. We're not called to make formulas based off. Of, we're not called to make formulas. Period. We're called to pursue. We're not called to make formulas. We are called to pursue. You. you know, if my kids made a formula to where they could convince daddy to give uh, them whatever they want, that wouldn't be, that would not be love. That would not be love. They could never genuinely say that they love me. Why? Because they only love the things that I would do for them or the things that I give them. So why would we apply that same logic to God? Or, in fact, the opposite of the, of the spectrum is, you know, because we didn't do the formula, man, God's not going to bless me. Or God's not going to protect me. Or because, you know what, I, I haven't lived the best life. Or, you know what, even though I'm going to church on Sunday, I still struggle to read my Bible. So, therefore, I mean, I, I shouldn't be praying or I shouldn't expect God to love me or God to come through or God to deliver. No, 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 no. There is no formula to God. His ways are higher than whose ways? Our ways. His thoughts are higher than whose thoughts? Our thoughts. So therefore, even if you try to, even if you try to muster up a formula, 
it could not compare. It couldn't, it couldn't even come close. Couldn't even touch a, a tenth of who he truly is. Amen? Amen? But we said that God is not repeating the same miracle twice in order for you to not become dependent on uh, a formula or dependent on his methods. The best comparison to what God wants to do, uh, we, we read it last week. It was in Isaiah 43, 19. You don't have to turn that. I'm going to read it. But the best way to describe what God does in our life is this. God said to Isaiah, to the nation of Israel, I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Does anybody remember that from last week? God, the best way God describes to the nation of Israel, he says, I'm going to move in your life. And how I'm going to move is it could be compared to making a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now, like me, this is this is where I get nerdy and I get excited because I'm like, that makes no sense. Wilderness is all jumbled up. There's no there's no structure or order in the wilderness. You know, some some of us, we, you ain't got to point nobody in this room or you ain't got to call them out. But we all we all have those friends that they have some wilderness ways. There's no structure to them. There's no sense. It's like, well, it don't make a lick of sense. What are you doing? You know, like we all have the we all have those friends or that one family member you may see around the holiday season where it's like, yeah, there goes that one cousin or that one uncle or that one aunt or that. Yeah. You know, I remember, uh, I think there was one time we ran into somebody at Walmart and was like, oh, who was that? I said, I never met them before. I said, yeah, there's a reason. There's, there's, there's a reason you ain't met them. I said, all right, so we're just, we just going to keep it moving, baby. Just keep, keep, <laughs> keep it moving. What, what else the boys need? Cereal? Let's go get some. Come on. Keep, keep, come on. Shh, shh, don't, don't stop. Don't stop. Because that's what they want. They want you to stop and know we keep on moving, all right? But we all have that. But see, a way in the wilderness, God said, I'm, the best way to describe what I'm going to do is you are doing your life is make a way in the wilderness. What looks for that, you know, that's the opposite of structure and that's the opposite of order. And God is saying what uh, what looks uh, what may look jumbled up or or chaotic or doesn't make sense on the surface. God is saying, I will use that to make a way in your life. And then also he describes it by saying, I will I will uh, I will cause a river to run through the desert. You know, a desert is a dry place. It's a it's a famine place. There's no vegetation. There's no spark of life in the desert. But God is saying, even in the driest seasons of our life, even in those seasons where it doesn't feel like nothing sparking, nothing circling, nothing stirring, God's saying, I'm, I'm still there. Why? Because it may look like I'm surrounded, but really I'm surrounded by who? Him. It may look like I'm surrounded by emptiness. It may look like I'm surrounded by the same thing last week, the same thing last year, the same thing the year before, the same thing my parents did, the same thing their parents did. But at the end of the day, true, there is nothing truer than this. You are surrounded by him. Amen. Amen. And we said that last week. So that's how God describes how he rolls. All right. So if you have uh, if you have a Bible, I want you to turn over to Judges chapter six. Before we get into Judges chapter seven, Judges chapter six, we're going to read verses 36 to 39. I think I'll do um, the CSB. Um, Gideon decides to go along with God. We talked about last week how Gideon, um, God, uh, the spirit of the Lord comes through and speaks to Gideon. And Gideon is like, you know, well, if it's really you, God, then how come you haven't performed the same miracles? We talked about that last week. And that's what led us to come to the truth that God doesn't perform the same miracles. But Gideon decides to go along with uh, with God, no matter how different it looks. But before he does, in Judges chapter six, verse 36, Whenever you have it, say amen. amen. Hey, look at you. Look at you. Somebody say, look at you. All right, verse 36. Um, then Gideon said to God, if you will deliver Israel by me, as you said, 
I will put a wool fleece here on the threshing floor. If dew is only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, I will know that you will deliver Israel by me as you said. Verse 38, and that is what happened when he got up early in the morning. He squeezed the fleece and wrung dew out of it, filling a bowl with water. Last verse 39, Gideon then said to God, don't be angry with me. Let me speak one more time. Please allow me to make one more test with the fleece. Let it remain dry and the dew be all over the ground. Verse 40, that night God did as Gideon requested. Only the fleece was dry and dew was all over the ground. Now, the reason I bring this up is because Gideon, now before Understand this, what's happening in the story. God has asked Gideon to allow him to move through him and deliver the nation of Israel from the enemy. And Gideon says, okay, God, if you're really wanting to use me, I'm going to need you to do some things. So first off, the mistake is Gideon is questioning God's logic of using himself. And so we all do that when God gives us an assignment. Well, God, you sure you want to use me? God, don't you know how awkward I am? Don't you know I'm a, Lord, I'm an introvert? Our Lord, I can't. Oh, we, all, we all have those conversations. Your tone may not sound like that, but we all have those conversations. That's what Gideon is doing. Gideon said, well, God, if you really want to use me, Lord, I, 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 you know what? I, I'm going to present a fleece before you. And he presents three different fleeces. But Gideon does officially what many of us do unofficially, which is fleece God. Gideon officially does this, these fleeces before God, but he officially does what we unofficially do today. You know, we, I'm not saying that we, we may uh, throw the, the blanket upon the threshing floor, but no, a lot of times when God asks us to do something, we say, God, well, if this is really you, show me a sign. God, if you really act, Lord, if you, if you want me to go to church today, Lord, give me a sign that my kids will wake up and, and, and be orderly in the name of Jesus. Praise God. And any parent in the room then if that's your sign, then I guess you're staying home, you know? <laughs> yeah, I guess you're staying home. <laughs> if that was the sign I was going by this morning, shoo! That's all I'm going to say, all right? <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> but Gideon does officially what many of us do unofficially, which is fleece God. Watch this. To fleece God is asking God for a physical sign that serves as confirmation to whatever questions or scenarios or circumstances that we are entangled with. We fleece God often through our prayers. A lot of times we fleece God through our prayers. We may start out worshiping God. Lord, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Lord, I, I wish I had a different job. Will you just show me a sign if, I, if, this, if, if I'm going to be single the rest of my life? Lord, I just need a sign if, I'm gonna, if somebody's going to come in and bless me. and all. We just begin to fleece God through our prayers. And see, the problem with fleecing God is, is uh, by fleecing God, the problem with fleecing God is by doing it, we're saying your word alone is not enough. I need a sign. Jesus. See, when we fleece God, literally our actions are saying, Lord, your word alone is not enough. I need a sign. You know, it makes me think of uh, this, this one artist when I was in high school. He wrote a song. Me and my uncle, we both share and love. We both share love for this one song and partially for this artist. But he wrote the song in high school, you know, Lord, give me a sign. Uh, it wasn't the most holy songs. But I remember, I remember uh, it, it was the fact that I had some scripture in the beginning and my uncle would bump it. And I was like, oh, there's hope for him yet. Lord, this is a sign that he's listening to the song about there's a sign. Uh, yeah. But. The problem with fleecing God, the problem with asking God for a sign is saying, Lord, your word isn't enough. And see, none of us, we would never be, we would never be so ignorant to say that to God. Amen. Lindsay, shouldn't you say we would never be so bold to say that? No, 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 no. 
never be so ignorant. Nobody, nobody would dare say, God, your word is not enough. Instead, we fleece God and say, well, Lord, can you, can you just give me a sign? Can, can you just, can you just, you know, can you just send, I, <laughs> I remember being in Bible college, I would, I would fleece God all the time, like, Lord, you know, I, I worked a secular job, worked at a pizza restaurant, all kind of people come in or whatever, I'm like, Lord, like, if that's the one I'm supposed to be with, Lord, you got to give me a sign. And I would, and I would, and, uh, but, but I would call myself being extra holy. I would, I would, I would make him jump through all these hoops. I'm like, Lord, if that's, if that's the one I'm supposed to be with, Lord, like, let that, let her, like, come back later and, like, offer to pay for my food because she know <laughs> I had all the, <laughs> don't you laugh, Grady, don't you laugh? Because I was like, I won't be tricked. I won't be tricked by the basic signs of if she just drives by. No, she got to come in. She got to know my name and offer to buy my favorite. I mean, like, I was specific with it because I thought I was being I thought I thought that was the right way to do it but ultimately what my young self was saying don't don't worry there wasn't any fleecing before you though you're you're good I trust the God <laughs> I'll tell you actually I did for right when I uh, right before I made the decision to pursue Kelsey I remember being in my car in Little Caesars parking lot on the day that I was supposed to go to work, I said, Lord, if she is who I'm supposed to pursue, I said, then I want, then I want, you, to, I want you to show me. But then I said, but otherwise, I'm good with just you and me. I said, Lord, I'm good with just you and me. I said, because your presence alone is enough. I remember, and I didn't give him any, any specifics, but I remember just being in the car. As soon as I finished that sentence, his presence just began to just consume me and saturate the car to the point that the windows fogged up. Watch this. The windows fogged up, and it was summer, and, that, and the car wasn't running. See, some, the, the, the problem with fleecing God, and I'm not saying don't, don't fleece God never again, but I'm saying we have to be careful because when you fleece God, when you ask God for a sign, you're saying, Lord, I know your word says this, but I, I need more. I, I, your word is enough. I need a sign. And that's what Gideon was saying. He's saying, Lord, I, you may have chose me, but it's not enough. I, your, 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 your word should listen the way it should have been. When God spoke to Gideon, that should have been enough to spark confidence in Gideon. But it wasn't. Why? Because Gideon knew Gideon. And the problem with us as believers, we know ourselves. Amen. We know ourselves more than we know who God sees us to be. That's right. we, we know the Adam version of ourselves and God knows the Jesus version of ourselves. Oh, thank you. Lindsay, what do you mean by that? We know the fallen version and God knows the redeemed version. Amen. Which report are you going to believe? He's ain't in the nose, but somebody better get in their spirit this morning. Which report are you going to believe? Whose report are you going to believe? Whose report are you going to believe? <clears throat> but God does it for Gideon. God performs the fleeces and gives Gideon that confirmation because this reason, because God wants Gideon to see that God is who he says he is. But the problem with this is in Matthew chapter 16, you don't have to turn there, but in Matthew 16, the Pharisees, they demanded Jesus, that Jesus give them a sign proving, that, uh, proving his authority. And Jesus' reply to them in verse 4 was this. He said, only an evil, adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign. But the only sign I will give them is a sign of the prophet Jonah, which means uh, the prophet Jonah, which he's referring to as Jonah went into the belly of the world or the belly of the of the well. Jesus will go into the belly of the earth. So therefore, Jesus was saying, listen, the sign of who uh, that God is, who he says he is, that Jesus is who he says he is, is by what he did on the cross and why he did it on the cross. 
And Jesus was saying, if that's not enough, then there's nothing. There's never going to be anything to convince you. If what Jesus has done in your life cannot convince you that he is on your side, then there is nothing else that will convince you. Why? Because none of our friends, you can pull out your contact list on your phone. No friend in your contact list, no person that you went to school with got on a cross and died for you. As much as we love our family members, there is no family member that, that has went and got on a cross and died for you. As much as we love the mentors or our favorite artists or favorite preachers on TV or podcasts, whatever, then none of them have went to the cross for you. If what Jesus alone has, if what Jesus alone did for us on the cross, if that's not enough, then there's nothing that ever will be enough. There's nothing that will never be enough. Jesus being the atonement for our sins, that is proof that God, Jesus is who he said he is. Jesus atoning for our sins. I heard one pastor say this. Atonement means at one meant. Jesus had made us at one with God. That means there's nothing that separates. There's, 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 there's no space in between. No, no, no. As Jesus is, so are we in this world. Atonement. We have been made at one with God. We're at one with God. Somebody say, I'm good. So therefore, we have no need to fleece God. We have no need to fleece God. We have no need to seek God for a sign. Why? Because we're, we're at one with God. We can trust and know that if God says something, he, he is doing it for our good. You know, when it comes to friendships and we have, you know, like uh, I remember uh, as a kid, you know, we get ready to do something or be on the playground and tell a story. Somebody tell a story. Man, that didn't happen. Put it on something. Put on some, man, I put on box of pizza. You know, as kids, that we would say, I put it on pizza in. I put it on pizza, because pizza in was the bomb back then. All right. Sorry, Dre, you never experienced it, but I'm just saying, you know, you got to live vicariously through my memories. It was great. Okay, if Granny says it was great, it was great, baby. All right, that's all I could say. But, you know, as kids, or maybe even, uh, you know, y'all may not have that same experience. It may be a little bit different, but, you know, somebody tell a story, and you couldn't believe it was true, so you say, put it on something. They, I put it on my mama. If somebody said, I put it on my mama, we, the rule was you couldn't put it on your mama. I, they put it on the daddy, nobody said anything. You know, put it on my uncle, put it on my cousin, couldn't say no, but I put it on my mama. No, you couldn't, you couldn't put it. I don't know what it was about it. I guess we, we just, sorry, Dad, we loved you, but all the kids, we got get for some reason, mamas was off limits. So maybe, maybe our boys would be the same way. They'll probably put it on, I put it on my daddy. What about mama? No, can't put it on mama. Don't put it on mama's heart, you know. <laughs> But we have no reason to fleece God. We have no reason to seek a sign because his word alone is enough. His his presence is proof in itself. I mean, he came and filled the room. Not because we did something right, but because he just loves us. He didn't fill the room because you were dressed a certain way or he didn't fill the room because he knew you was going to give him the offering today. He didn't fill the room because, you know what, they sang the right song. Ooh, those songs. No, no, no. He just filled the room because that's what he does. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere at all times. Now, there, there, for a lot of times, there are times when I'm playing in the set list, I do say God, because I think of it as a relationship. You know, there's five love languages. I'm not going to get into all of them, but one of the love languages is words of affection. And, you know, so I like to think of that, my relationship with God. I'm like, God, what, are, uh, uh, what, what is it you want to hear your creation sing to you? You know, because you can ask Kelsey, there's certain, there's certain phrases or certain things that she can say to me that I'm just like, ah, yeah, 
feel, feel, feel loved on level 1,000 or level 9,000. And I'm like, not, not that we're trying to sing to manip- manipulate God or make him feel good because God is God. Amen. God is God. He is love. He is joy. He is, it's, no, it's no right key, no right tempo that's going to, you know, ooh, no. He's pleased with our existence. But I'm like, God, what, is, what songs do you want to hear creation sing to you? And I believe a lot of times it's, it's not that he just, he just desires to hear those songs, but it's more like he knows that there's going to be a transformation that's going to unlock within us. Like today as we sung, this is how I fight my battles. You know, with everything that's going on in the world, you know what? This is how we need to fight. How do we need to fight? By what? Surrendering. By what? Surrendering. Somebody say atonement. So because, that, because Jesus had made us at one with God, there is no reason to fleece. I will say this before we move on. Fleecing comes from a lack of intimacy, a lack of face-to-face worship. See, if, if, if uh, you know, to be in a relationship or for me, um, you know, me and Kelsey, you know, I, I can tell you what Kelsey's like. I can tell you the type of foods she likes. I can tell you the type of shows she likes or the type of drinks. Somebody asked me the other day, hey, what type of snacks she lists or what type of snacks and drinks does she like? So I gave them a specific list. Why? Because we have that face-to-face relationship. We have that face-to-face intimacy. You know, and understand this, if I were to tell the person all the wrong types of things, that would be proof that I didn't know Kelsey. You know, when we fleece God, that's proof that, you know what, I, maybe I don't know God like I, did, like I should know him. And if we don't know God like we should know him, then that means we need to get in the presence of God. Amen. Because guess what? God's not withholding himself from us. Amen. God's not, you know, God's not sitting up there be like, okay, you guys, you're going to worship me. But this part, this is closed off. This is me. But you get all this. You, that's enough. But this right here, this is me, y'all. This is my throne. This is my space. I created y'all, but I need my time away. No, God's not like that. God is willing to give all of him. I couldn't help it. I had to. It was, it was playing in my head. <laughs> and I never listened to that song, but anytime I talk, I don't. I'm sorry. She gave me that look. I'm like, I, it's, I don't know what it's, yeah. Does he even sing any, like, happy stuff? All the stuff he sings is just kind of like, well, you know, more ballads and, you know. And that's not happy? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, ba- ba- I mean, yeah, it's it's it's, it's happy-ish, but I mean, you know, like it's no, you know, it's, yeah, it's 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 like yeah, I've caught that, but it's 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 just a lot of violin type of it's a lot of sleepy music. There we go. It's kind of sleepy. It's like you know, you can go, to, you can fall asleep on a pillow to a lot of his stuff. So that's why I don't, you know, I, whatever. <laughs> Bless it. That's right. <laughs> But well, let's get back to Judges before I, before I uh, fall myself in a musical debate. <laughs> judges chapter 7. I want to read verse 1 and 2, then we're going to break verse 2 down, and then we'll read some more. But Judges chapter 7, uh, verse 1 and 2 in the CSB, <clears throat> the Christian Standard Bible. So obviously Gideon has, um, he's fleeced God. God has proven to himself. So here's what's going to happen in verse 1. <clears throat> verse 1. Uh, no, you're good. Um, Gideon. Now, I don't know if anybody didn't know, just side note, that first name right there, that is the name that, see, when the enemy took over the nation of Israel, they re-identified everyone. 
See, that's 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 uh, art of war. That's rules of art of uh, art of war rule 101 or whatever. Like when you take over an enemy, you change their identity and you remove their history. Therefore, they are totally dependent on you. That's why. Mm, that's why the devil in the garden. What, what was the first thing he attacked? Their identity. Well, if you really are God, then you can eat of this. When he tempted Jesus in the garden or tempted Jesus in, in the wilderness. Well, if you really are God, you can turn these stones to bread. Why, what, what, what identifying questions is he trying to ask you in your life? Well, if you really are loved, then why are you alone? Or if you, if you really, if God really has blessed you or God really has delivered you, then why are you sick? Or if God really has blessed you, if you really are the, you know, if you, if you really do uh, serve the God who has a, uh, what is it, a thousand cattle on a thousand hills, then why, are, why is your bank? Well, no, 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 that's what the devil loves to do. And we see this in verse 1. Uh, that's why there's two different names. But understand this. Verse 1 says, that is Gideon. And all the troops who were with him got up early and camped beside the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them, below the hill of Moray in the valley. Verse 2, <clears throat> the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many troops for me to hand the Mennonites over to them, or else Israel might elevate themselves over me and say, I saved myself. I want you to just focus on verse 2 for a minute. So understand this, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many troops for me to hand the Mennonites over to them, or else Israel might elevate themselves over me and say, I have saved myself. I've read verse 2 over and over and over again. Understand this, if you know the story of Gideon, if not, we'll get into it. But God tells Gideon, I'm, what I'm going to do, I'm doing it because I need to remove the temptation of you thinking you made it on your own. I need to remove the temptation of thinking that you were able to make the way out of no way. Because guess what? That's, that's God's job. That's what he loves to do is make a way out of no way. That's what he loves to do is to make a way in the wilderness. That's what he loves to do is to make a river run through the desert. I don't need you to think that you were able to put the river through the desert. I don't need you to think that you made the way in the wilderness. I need all of the world to see that it was me, God. And that's why he said, I'm going to elevate, I, I'm doing this that way Israel doesn't elevate themselves above him. Above him. Paul, Paul said in, what was it, Philippians chapter, chapter 2, that even, uh, it was Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 9, that even Jesus, even Christ, who didn't consider himself uh, equal with God, but humbled himself. Humbled, if Jesus humbled himself. Then guess what? The temptation for us to, to rise above and make us think that we're able to create a way out of no way, it's real. It is a real temptation. And it is a real door that, that the devil loves to just slip right through. Well, you made it work this time, so why don't you just keep doing it? Well, you, just, you know, you worked, you worked those extra hours last week, so, you know, just, just, just do it again. Don't worry about the time you're going to miss with family. Don't worry about the, the time you're going to miss from church. You, you did it before. You can do it again. I mean, God gave you... you Am I talking to anybody today? Amen. <clears throat> but God did what he did to remove the temptation of them doing two things. He did uh, what he did to remove the temptation of, number one, elevating themselves above God, and number two, thinking that they could save themselves. He did what he did in order for them to not be able to think that they can save themselves. Amen? Amen. So let's go on to verse 3. Can we switch to the new living, if you don't mind? <clears throat> Judges chapter 7. We're still going to stay in Judges chapter 7. 
verses three through eight. The reason I say New Living because it doesn't do all the, the, the Old Testament names and your boy be struggling. So just keeping it real with you. But yeah. Verse three, therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid of timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. So twenty two thousand of them went home. No, you're good. <clears throat> twenty two thousand of them went home, leaving only ten thousand who were willing to fight. Verse four. But the Lord told Gideon, there are still too many bringing them down to the spring and I will test them to determine who will go with them. You and who will not. <clears throat> When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, divide the men into two groups. And one group put all those who cup their cup in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. And the other group put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. Only 300 of 300 of the men drank from the hands and all the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. The Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Mennonites. Send all the others home. Last verse, verse 8. So Gideon collected the provisions and ram's horns of the other warriors and sent them home. But he kept the 300 men with them. The Mennonite camp was in the valley just below Gideon. And I want to skip down to verse 16. We'll do 16 through 21, and then that'll be the end of Judges 7. <clears throat> verse 16 after all that was done, he divided the 300 men into three groups and gave each man a ram's horn and a clay jar with a torch in it. Then he said to them, keep your eyes on me. When I come to the edge of the camp, do just as I do. As soon as I and those with me blow the ram's horns, blow your horns too all around the entire camp and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. It was it was just after midnight, after the changing of the guard, when Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the Mennonite camp. Suddenly, they blew the ram's horns and broke their clay jars. Then all the three groups blew their horns and broke their jars. They held the blazing torches in their left hands and the horns in their right hands, and they all shouted a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Watch what happens, verse 21. Each man stood at his position around the camp and watched all the Mennonites rushed around in a panic, shouting as they ran to escape. So understand this. This great Mennonite army was defeated by 300 men, led by one man who decided to say yes to God doing something different. Who decided to say yes to God not performing the same miracle twice. Who decided to say, okay, listen, you may have done it this way, but okay, I will follow you in however, whichever way you want to do it. Whichever, somebody say it's going to look different. Now imagine if he had said no. Imagine if he had stuck to his guns and said, God, you know, like you, 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 you delivered the nation of Israel by, by splitting the sea and, 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 and raining down fire and, or, or actually the, the, what was it, the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. Lord, just, just do that again. Just, just do the same thing that you've done in the past again. Lord, I, I know you can do it that way. Lord, I know you can do it that way. I know you can do it that way. But instead he said yes. He said yes to him. And that yes, it came through confirmation. Because we are human, sometimes we are going to need that confirmation from God. But don't get hung up on the confirmation. You got to trust. Somebody say trust. trust. But I love this because in this story, it doesn't say that they beat him up. And see, see I, I couldn't have been Gideon because I've been like, Lord, let me put my hands on them. Let me put my hands on these Mennonite people. But instead it said that they followed the instruction of the Lord. 
And the instruction of the Lord was for them to blow the ram's horn and smash the jars. <clears throat> and that was crazy as we've seen, we've seen wildlike instruction like this before. We've seen wild type of instruction like this before when the nation of Israel, when it came time to destroy the walls of Jericho. What it came down to is the instruction of God said, lift up a shout of praise. And, you know, as a kid, I would think, okay. So you're going to laugh, but I remember as a kid, they tell that Sunday school story. I'm like, okay, so we just defeat the enemy by shouting at him. All right. So music kick up, and we all be playing, singing, da, 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 and, I'm, and I, I would imagine myself. I imagine myself. So the next day I go to school, and if somebody would bully me or something like that, I would think, okay, I just got to shout at this enemy. But I would never muster up the strength to do it. I would never muster up the strength, but I saw in my imagination me just shouting, Jesus! But I never did it. But as a kid, I formed in my head this formula of getting a miracle. Well, in the Bible, you did it this way, God, so I guess that's the way I need to do it. And that is proof as humans, it is so easy for us to formulate a formula for God to do something in our lives. To formulate a formula, to formulate a recipe. Okay, well, if I fast this amount of days, it's going to happen. Or, you know, we're going to church. We've been going to church for a month now, a couple months now. Like, why aren't we seeing changes in our kids? Or why aren't we seeing changes in our finances? Or why aren't we seeing changes in the way people treat us? Why? Because there's no formula. Why? Because God doesn't want you dependent on formula. He wants you dependent on him. And what caused the miracle was just following the instruction of God. Because if, if we're being honest, just humanly speaking, you, you hear a bunch of, uh, you know, jars, let's say 300 jars, 300 jars smashing one time. You're not. Well, what was that? But instead, with God, all things are possible. And God uses this scenario to cause the enemy to flee. It's going to look different. If we've if you've made the decision to follow Jesus, then you got to understand it's going to look different than what it looked like yesterday. Today is going to look different than what it looked like yesterday. Yesterday is going to look like, or next year is going to look different than, than this year. In order for this next season to look different, it has to look like Jesus. In order for this season in your life, it's got to look like you're being led by Jesus. Because we read that story, and here's the conclusion we come to. Only, Jesus, only God is, is what caused this miracle to happen. Only God is what caused this miracle to happen. And that's the conclusion that God wanted. The conclusion that God wants in your life, as far as your presence in at the workplace, is that when people look at you, only God is the reason that that person is standing today. That, that's, that's the conclusion God wants when people look at you. People that you know, that you run into Walmart, they see you. God, the conclusion God wants is only that when they look at you, God is the only reason that person is still standing. God is the only reason that person is as blessed as they are. God is the only reason that that person is healed. Why? Because God wants the glory. He's worthy of it. He is worthy of all the glory. He is worthy of all the glory. Amen. So if it's going to look, if it's going to look different, it has to look like Jesus. That's how God did the, that's how Gideon that's how the miracle was performed. It wasn't performed because Gideon was strong, because Gideon was smart, because Gideon had all these talents. No, no, no. It was performed because Gideon said yes. And that's something that we all can do. We all have the, we all have the option to do, which is, okay, okay, Lord, yes. Yes. Okay, Lord, yes. And it's hard because, you know, if we're, if we're going to say yes, then 
really the, the best time to say yes is not after a fleece. It's not when, okay, Lord, give me a sign. Okay, you did this. Okay, yes. I'll, I'll, I will talk to this person or I will go pray for this person. No, no, no. If God gives you, if God whispers something. And that, that's one of the things they taught us in Bible college. And I remember I didn't believe it until it happened. But a lot of times the word of the Lord, the instruction of the Lord, it's never a big billboard blaring loud foghorn saying, Miranda, pray for them. It's, it's, a lot of times it's not like that. Because that's, that. oh, you know that's God. Whoo, okay. Whoo, well, yeah, I'm, I'm going. I'm, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, that's you? I am he, you know. <laughs> that, that's easy to recognize. And I used to wonder, okay, well, Lord, why do you, why do you, why do you talk in the whispers? Why do you talk in the still, small voice? Why? Because it's the same reason that he spoke in parables when he was on the earth. I remember that used to confuse the mess out of me. Lord, like you read in the scriptures and that people would ask Jesus something. He'd give a parable. I'm like, ah, God. You know, as a kid, I, I would get, I would rush through the Bible because I'm like, I just, Lord, I just want the answer. Just tell, what, what's the answer? Why do I keep reading chapter after chapter just to find out the answer? Just tell the answer now. You know, there's times where me and Kelsey would watch a show, and I'd be like, can we just fast forward, like, <laughs> towards the end? I want to see the result. It's like, no, we got to watch the story. I'm like, I don't want time for the story. Just want to know what happens. Did the person make it, or did they not? Like, <laughs> who cares about what the mama's going through, right? We just need to know, did they make it, or did they not? And that's, and sometimes still I even struggle with that as I read the word. I'm like, Lord, come on, where's the answer? I'm looking at chapter, chapter. I get impatient. Then I'll Google search. And then I'll, I can't find it on Google. So now I'm like, I have to humble myself and say, okay, Lord, let me start back over and read the whole story. But understand this. Understand this. Through all that, where does our patience lie? Where does our patience lie? Where does our trust lie? Because if our trust truly relied in the Lord, then we are willing to wait. But the reason Jesus spoke in parables is not because he loved to confuse people, or not because he loved to make frustrate people, but he spoke in parables. Why? Because he wanted to, he wanted to, to, to spark that curiosity, to spark that thing that causes us to seek. He spoke in parables in order to get us to seek. Why? Because there's something that there's a transformation that happens in the journey of you seeking God. Amen. You know, like I can I, I can I can tell Kellen how to play the piano or he can seek me and we can go through this journey of me teaching him step by step. Like I, I could tell him, well, if you put these three fingers together, or if you put these three notes together, it makes this chord, it makes this chord, it makes this chord. And then that's it. You're on your own. Or I could tell him all the notes in a scale or I can say, follow me, watch me. Watch me, listen to me, echo me, mimic me, do the things that I'm doing and you will learn as I, as I have uh, all that I know. And that's the same way it comes with Jesus. When we watch him, when we see him, when we read his word, well, how did God handle this type of situation? Well, I, I go through those situations. Well, if Jesus handled it this way, so I, I should handle it that way as well. How did, how did Jesus avoid this type of topic? Or how did Jesus embrace these type of people? Or what, how, okay. If Jesus does it this way, then I should do it this way. And understanding this, if Jesus does it a certain way, it's not because Jesus is doing it because he wants to. It's, he's doing it because he's seen his father do it. So how Jesus feels is the same way how God feels. Amen. So therefore, if God feels a certain way and we echo the same thing that God is echoing. It's proof that we are at one with him. There's no separation. There's no division. So therefore, there's no room for the devil to come in and say, are you really like God? 
Are you really following Jesus? Do you think you're really deserving of all the things he wants to do in your life? He has no room to say those things if we're mimicking him. And the reason Jesus spoke in parables is to cause everyone who heard and everyone who reads to seek him. To seek him. See, it's going to look different. The way we do church should look different than it did last year. We said that last week. The way we do ministry should look different than we did it last year. The way we, uh, the type of conversations we have with people, it should look different than the type of conversations we had last year. Why? Because God is not in the business of performing the same miracle twice. He's in the same business of drawing you in. He's in the same business of drawing you in. Why? Because there's a transformation that happens in that drawing. In that drawing, in that waiting. Who in here loves to go to the doctor's office and just wait? Nobody, nobody loves to sit in the waiting room. Uh, yeah, we all, could, we all could tell experiences of where, you know, uh, <clears throat> I, remember, um, I remember as a kid, we went to Vanderbilt one time. And, oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. The wait. Because, you know, driving two hours up there or whatever. And, then, and it was worse for me as a kid because as a kid, we understand kids don't have any patience. I don't have patience now, but I definitely didn't have it then. And I remember I was sitting in the chair and I would just bang my head against the wall like, ah, oh, ah, oh, ah. Oh. I remember even telling mom, you know what, I'm, I'm better now. <laughs> I done got myself better. Like, there's no point of seeing the doctor. And, you know, I couldn't remember really the results and all that or whatever. But as human beings, we don't like to wait. But you know, the, the, uh, what the world says is nothing happens in the waiting. So let me, let, me, let me give you a little insight on God. Whatever the world says, God is going to say the opposite. Whatever the world does, God is going to do the opposite. So if the world says that there's not, nothing's going to happen while you're waiting, what do you think God's going to say? There's something that happens in the waiting. There, while, while the seed is in the ground waiting to burst through mm-hmm. the dirt, there, there's something happening in the waiting. Amen. So therefore, in this waiting period of our lives, if you are in a waiting season in your life, understand this. Don't get frustrated. Don't get last of days ago. Don't start to uh, cast that fleece like Gideon did before God and say, okay, God, well, if, you, if you're really doing this, then I need a sign. Because at the end of the day, God was always going, God was going to do the miracle for Gideon whether he sought a sign or not. That's not in the notes. The miracle was going to happen for Gideon, whether he seeked a sign or not. Because when, God, when the Spirit of the Lord approached Gideon, he never said, I want to rescue the nation of Israel, but first you need a sign from me. What we read last week, no, he said, I want to rescue the nation of Israel through you, period. And then we see Gideon in the flesh say, well, I, if this is really you, I need you to do these three things. God is determined that he can use you to transform your job. God is convinced he can use you to transform your family. God is convinced he is, uh, that he can use you to transform your class. The only person that really needs convincing is you. God is convinced that he can bring the most joy in your life, more joy that you could ever think or imagine. The only person that needs convincing is us. God is convinced that he can heal, he can deliver, he can save. He can do uh, more than abundantly than we can ask or think yes, according to what the power that works in us. Not the power that works in God. God doesn't need to give, God knows what he can do. Amen. Question is, do we know what he can do? 
And do we know that he can do it through us? Somebody say it's going to look different. I want to close with this. So physically something right now, obviously, you know, we've talked about how the, the miracle of Gideon and, and uh, how God used. It wasn't, we don't read in the books before that, before Judges, we don't read about God doing something like that. But watch this. We don't read God doing something like that again. The next time he delivers the nation of Israel, it's through a different way. God isn't in the same business of performing the same miracle twice. It's going to look different. And right now, physically, in our world today, things look different. I'm, I'm glad uh, Kelsey prayed for it because I wanted to talk about it. I didn't even tell her I wanted to talk about it. One of the things I've struggled with this week is the stuff that's going on in the Ukraine. And I'm just going to be honest. When I first heard about it, I just blew it off. I just blew it off because I'm like, ah, don't really affect me. And that was me ignorantly thinking. But in the moment, I was like, it don't, it, it don't really change my job. It don't, you know, it, it don't, it doesn't, it, I didn't think it really affected me. And that's when the Lord had to humble me and allow me to see that, you know what? That's part of God's creation. Both sides of it. Amen. Both sides. Amen. You know, because right now it's, it's easy to, it's, it's so easy for us to point good guy and bad guy. Good cop, bad cop. Or, or, you know, this is the hero, this is the villain. Ukraine, they are the good people. They're just living their lives. And here comes Russia in, demanding all these different things and causing war. Therefore, they are the evil bad guys. But at the end of the day, they are human beings that God created. Amen. So therefore, I can't point. I can, yes, I can say, yes, they started this. But at the end of the day, I can't doom them to, I can't, I can't, I can't uh, pray and ask God to judge them and sentence them to hell. That's right. I can't do that because... In the midst of my foolishness, he did not judge me or sentence me to hell. Instead, he judged his son. And all the sins that I did and would do, he placed that on him, nailed it to a cross. So when it came to, uh, with all this, uh, with Ukraine, understand this. Jesus talks about it in Matthew chapter 24. I'm going to read that in the New Living Translation. <clears throat> if you have it, you could turn there. We're just going to read verses 1 through 6. But physically, something that looks different is the war between Russia and Ukraine. It looks different. It's, it's making our lives look different. Not just today, but in the future. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 24, verse 1. As Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings. But he responded, do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth. They will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, tell us when, uh, when will all this happen? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. I want you to keep that, if you don't mind, just keep that one up. Actually, yeah, let's go to verse 7. I saw something there. Nation will go to war against nation and the kingdom against kingdom. There will be, there will be fam famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. If you go back to verse 6, I want you to notice this. Jesus says, you will hear of wars and threats of wars. 
you hear of wars and threats of wars. So let me give you some context. The disciples said, Lord, when is the end of the world coming? Well, what do you, because Jesus said, listen, this temple that y'all idolize, it's going to be destroyed. And so when's it going to be destroyed? Because they thought that Jesus was going to destroy, that they was going to set the new heaven and the new earth right then. And Jesus begins to prophesy. He said, no, no, no. He said, in the future, there will be wars and threats of wars. Right now, Russia and Ukraine, they are warring against each other. And, you know, the common threat or the common vibe when you look on social media is, or if you turn on the news and hear the media, is World War III is coming. That is a rumor. Goes back to the scripture. There will be wars and threats of wars. But here's the, here's the thing that got me after reading the scripture, because I'm like, oh, here it is. But then Jesus says, don't panic. Don't panic. He says a lot of other stuff, but for, let, we can't get past the don't panic. Somebody say, don't panic. don't panic. Then he says, yes, these things must, they must take place. But the end won't follow immediately. I was talking about this to mom either this morning or yesterday. I said, what's, you know, as if we're in the flesh, it sounds scary because it's like, wait, there's more to come. Yes, there's more to come. Must it happen? Unfortunately, yes, it must happen. But because Jesus prophesied it. He saw it. It was a concern to him. And what's a concern to the Father should be a concern to us. So, Lindsay, how, how do we navigate through this? We navigate through this by the, 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 the three words that he says within that scripture. Don't panic. But don't panic. We can break down just two words. Don't panic. So when we see the news, when we hear people talk about all what's going on over there, how it's going to affect gas prices, how it's going to affect the, the cost of living, how it's going to affect if things are going to get shipped over here, or we see the videos. I don't know if, you, uh, if you've seen some of the videos of footage over there. It, it's dark and it looks scary, but Jesus said, this is going to happen. Don't panic. I mean, it wasn't just happen circumstance that we said, this is how I, we sung the song, this is how I fought my battles. Why? Because when we look over there, I remember me and Kelsey was talking about it and she was like, you know, what if I asked her, I said, what if our troops get sent over there? And we begin to talk about that. And I begin to think like in my natural mind, I'm like, I'm glad I'm not a troop because I would not want to go fight. And that's just me speaking because I'm not, I'm not good with that. I'm not. There are certain people that were born to do that. I wasn't born. To, I was born to keep my nice chocolate self right here, defending my little tribe. But then my imagination goes, well, what if it comes here? What do we do? And then, you know, what started to happen. Anxiety began to rise. Panic began to rise. Depression, questions, confusion. But if we go back to the scriptures, it says, don't panic. Now, Jesus is telling us this. We have two options. Option number one, we could be like Gideon and say, okay, Lord, even though you've given us this word, I need a sign. I need you to tell me, to show me that in order for me not to panic. I need you to, you know, and we can be specific. I need you to do this or I need you to do that. Da, 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 and then I promise I won't panic. Or we can take him face value at his word. We can take him face value and say, okay, God, if you say don't panic, I'm not going to panic. So, Lord, how do I fight my battle? I, how do we fight this battle? We, we fight it by surrendering to you, surrendering to your word, surrendering to the fact that, you know what? You really are surrounding me. You really are surrounding me through war, through famine, through loss, 
through ups, through down, through hills and valleys, you really are surrounding me. That's why we sung that this morning, because you need to understand that no matter what it looks like, he is surrounding you. And so we're not separate from what's going over there. It just hasn't come here yet. And because we don't, because when we walk outside these double doors and we don't see it, therefore we, we only focus on what's, you know, what we can see. But at the end of the day, they need our prayers. And I'm not just saying the, the type of prayers where it's like, oh, Lord, bless them, protect them, and we'll go on about our day. No, no, no. The same way that we seek God for miracles in our life or seek God for miracles in our finances or seek God for our loved ones to get saved, we need to be seeking God for that situation over there. And saying, okay, God, you knew this was going to happen, so let your will be done. Protect who you, protect who needs to be protected, but also bring it into this if that's your will. Whatever your will is, Lord, let that be done. Let that be done, God. Despite, despite all the politics that are involved, Lord, move past the politics. Sit every politician down, Lord, and let your will be done. Let lives be saved. Let, let lives be healed. And let the war end. Like, I, I, imagine the way you seek God for your finances. Imagine praying to God about this situation. Imagine if many people pray to God about this situation. Imagine what could happen. And maybe that's, that, it's going to follow Jesus. It's going to look different. Well, Lindsay, that's, you know, that, that, that's different than Sunday service. Sunday service was supposed to be focused on getting numbers up or focused on, you know, uh, the spirit coming in and da-da-da-da. No, no, no. Following Jesus looks different. It's going to look different than last year. We didn't deal with this problem last year. But now it's here. And it's up to you. You have two options. You could be like Gideon, fleece God and seek signs. Or you can say, okay, God, I'm going to take you face value. And I'm going to trust you. And I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to panic. And guess what? In that scripture, you don't have to pull it back up. But in that scripture, he says, and this is not the end, which means there is more. When it comes to COVID-19, it seems like every few months there's a new Delta variant or a new virus or a new whatever, whatever. And it doesn't mean that we clamp in our bunkers or we clamp in our shells or it doesn't mean that we move to immediately saying, God, just rapture me away. I've been guilty of saying that. What it truly means is that we, 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 the grip that we have around the promises of God, it becomes tighter. I'll say this, and I promise I will end. When we're walking across the street, or even, uh, yeah, yeah, when we're walking across the street, when we're getting ready to go inside Walmart, and I'm holding the boys' hands, if there's a car coming, you know what the boys do? They grip my hand tighter. They grip my hand tighter. Why? Because there's, there's something that's panicking them. They don't let go and try to figure out how can they get away from the car. No, they grip the hand of their father tighter. That's right. That's right. In this moment, in this hour, your, your grip upon, because that's what faith is. Faith is a firm grip, a firm persuasion on God being who he said he is. Our grip upon him needs to become tighter to the point that the devil can't, the devil can't question us. He can't come in and he can't play the heartstrings of our insecurities. He can't do that. Why? Because we trust and know who God is and we don't need a fleece. We don't need to seek a sign. We truly know that he is for us. It doesn't matter who's, it doesn't matter who's against us, that he is for us. If he is for us, who could be against us? That revelation only comes when the grip that you have upon his promises, upon his word is tight. Is tight. How do we do that? By seeking him. 
by seeking him. Lindsay, you always say that by seeking him. That's that's the answer. That is the answer. That's the that it's not it's not like the it's not the it's not the generic wrench or the adjustable wrench that you can adjust to any size and it works. No, 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 no. That is the one answer. You seek him. Seek him while he may be found. Right now, seek him while he may be found. So therefore, we need to adjust our activities this week. And we need to create space to pray. We need to create space to pray. We need to create space to pray because there's going to be a lot of things that happen. Yes, your prayers are going to uh, shift the situation over there. But also there's going to be something that happens in here. And the Bible talks about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 15, where we're going to go from one degree of glory to another. From glory to glory to glory to glory. We're going to shine more like Jesus. We're going to sound more like Jesus. We're going to talk more like Jesus. We're going to see more like Jesus. And Lindsay, what's the point of us going from glory to glory to glory? The reason is because guess what? Your friends, they don't need you. They need Jesus in you. The more you can sound like him, the more you can look like him, the more you can help them. Your family doesn't need you. They need Jesus in you. They need what God has put in you. The stability of our jobs doesn't need us. It needs God through us. It needs the God that's in us. God was always going to perform the miracle for Gideon. But because Gideon was convinced that he was, that, that, that he was enough, he needed signs to prove that God was who he said he is. Avoid that temptation. You don't need a sign from God. God, listen, if God said, if there is air in your body, if there's breath in your body, but Jesus said it best when we read earlier in Matthew chapter 15, he said that the proof that he is who he said he is, his authority is true, is the fact that what he did on the cross, his atonement for your sins. We are at one with God on purpose, not on accident. Somebody say on purpose.